0: I took Morgan fly fishing the first time and he took me downhill mountain biking for the first time. So I'm definitely the fly fisherman side of the company. You know, I, I rode some motorcycles growing up, so I know I know enough to get hurt, but that's about it. But uh, I really enjoy, as we were testing this product, you know, I really enjoy being able to pedal further back and either, you know, archery hunt or primarily what I use it for is like spot hopping fishing. I don't know if you ever fished the like a popular river, like the Yakima in in, in Washington.
1: That was John Smiggy sharing some insight into the next big thing in the trestle line, the CRC system, the carbon fiber bike system, and John's genius brother, today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thank you for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. We've always got a giveaway going on this year, and you can check it out right now, uh, wetflyswing.com giveaway. We've got good stuff going on all season, so it's a good chance to join the giveaway and win something big. John Smiggy, founder of Trestle, walks us through the story of starting his fly fishing and gear transport company. John walks us through the benefits of rod carriers today he schools us on some of the differences between engineer types and we also find out uh find out how my college roommate uh my college engineering roommate this interesting story and the connection we we uh we get a good laugh at this one so uh so i'm loving this one without further ado here is john smiggy from trestle.com how's it going john
0: hey dave how are you
1: Good, good. Thanks for uh, thanks for putting this together uh, this morning. We've got we've uh, got a few questions to dig in here on Trestle and some of the stuff you have going. I know when we started working together uh, a while back, I guess last year um, when we first talked, you mentioned a couple of products, at least one that had to do with a bike, and uh, I'm interested to hear more about that. And but we're going to dig into the the rod carry you you have and everything there as well. Um, before we get into all that. Take us back really quickly to lead fly fishing because I like to start there and talk about how you first got into fly fishing.
0: Sure, yeah. So uh, I started fly fishing when I was three. I am um, fortunate that you know I was born in Helena, Montana, and kind of surrounded by a lot of really great trout water, and uh, you know got introduced by my dad and my uncles, and just sort of got nurtured and put together at a fortunate to grow up with a cousin, really similar age as myself. That's also a fanatic in fly fishing. So we sort of came up together doing pretty much just that from a very young age.
1: There you go. So you've been doing it your whole life. And now is your, so your dad had what, just a couple of brothers or what does that look like?
0: Yeah. So I've, uh, my dad comes from a huge family. He's got, uh, six different siblings in total. So I guess five siblings, uh, six kids and then, uh, a twin sister. And, um, yeah, so my cousin's actually the the son of his twin sister, if if you can follow that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: son of twin sister. Okay. Gotcha. Shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, tons of uncles and and all of them fly fish pretty much. So I think there's four four uncles plus the ones by marriage, and pretty much everybody um, either fishes heavily or or fly fishes. Yeah,
1: everybody's into it. No kidding. So is that kind of you know, for those that haven't been to hell in a Is that pretty much the way it is? Like everybody, almost everybody is fly fishing there?
0: Yeah, it seems that way. It's, it's definitely a very popular, you know, we're about 40 minutes, um, south of Craig, you know, on the Missouri river. So, um, you know, it comes right through town. So it's kind of a trout, trout Mecca. Yeah. Mountain biking and fly fishing are definitely uh, very, very popular here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. So how did you go? So your whole life you've been fly fishing, and then I think you, you left Helena eventually. Talk about that. Where did you uh, go to school, and then how did you turn back and get back to Montana?
0: Yeah, so I uh, I left Montana when I was pretty young. My parents split up, and I, uh, I was a military brat, so I, I moved all over the country and out and of country a little bit, but uh, I lived on, I think I've moved about 35 times. Whoa. Um, so yeah, I never spent more than one Christmas at any house and most of them are different states. So I I grew up kind of in, in Virginia and Washington DC for, uh, the younger part of my life. But, you know, as part of the divorce with my parents, um, I spent pretty much every other summer or every, you know, every other holiday back here in Helena. So although I didn't go to school here, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like I grew up here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Well, what was that like with the 35? I mean, being all over the country for those that maybe haven't done all that sort of moving is it was that kind of, I mean, there must be some good things and bad about that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel, uh, you know, looking back, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's fortunate. I, mean, I got to experience a lot of different things. Uh, of course, challenging, you know, growing up uh, moving a lot like that, but um, definitely got to see a lot of different places and meet a lot of different types of people. So I feel like it kind of helped shape me a little bit uh, mm-hmm. as I, you know, grew up and then I ended up kind of landing in Olympia, Washington, which is where I went to high school and then college and grad school and met my wife and, and then, uh, finally moved back to Helena a couple of years ago. Oh, there you go.
1: There you go. And along the way, you—I uh, know you have a degree in engineering, and you got into that. How did you get why engineering out of all the things? Because that seems like for me, I remember I, I used to know a couple of engineers in college, and I remember they were—they were pretty much the, like one of the guys was like the smartest guy I knew in the whole school, and uh, <laughs> and he was he was that guy that could like literally he could smoke weed all day long and then go into the same test that I would take and he would ace it, and I would like struggle <laughs> to pass it. So he's like he was just like, gnashing. is that kind of the way engineers
0: are? I think as a, as a whole, yes. But I wouldn't put myself in that in that camp necessarily. I was always sort of a outlier in the engineering school. You know, I was pursuing a career in law enforcement, and uh, I I ended up very at the last kind of the last minute deciding to jump into engineering. uh uh-huh. kind of a crazy story. But essentially, I didn't really know what engineering was. You know, I didn't oh, come wow. from a, I didn't really come from a. I came from a family of all military, you know, individuals. Yeah. So I didn't really. I was the only one to go to college, and um, and, I, and so I didn't really know, honestly, what engineering was. I ended up talking to a family friend who was a professor at uh, some Ivy League schools and a very successful businessman, and uh, he, over a phone call, I still remember it, in a, in a gym parking lot over a phone call, um, he walked me through, like, he asked me, you know, like 10 questions, like what I liked doing and what I was good at, and then just, just very quickly and methodically broke that down into, okay, so... Here's engineering for a four year degree. That's a really good job. Here's the four types of engineering. Do you like working with your hands? Like he just, you know, really quickly did all this and I go and he goes, yeah, I'd say you should do civil or mechanical engineering. And I just Hmm. said, okay, I hung up and I went and enrolled in college. No kidding. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Civil or mechanical. And, And even
1: that is a, like, what is the difference between those two? I mean, there's, does engineering. I mean, there must be so much involved there, but for you, did it feel like once you got into it, it was just like, oh man, this is my wheelhouse. This is pretty easy. Like I love this stuff.
0: Um, sort of, yeah. You know, to be honest, school was actually pretty difficult for me. I got really good grades. I ended up graduating toward the top of my class, but I, um, so mechanical engineering is like pretty hands-on it's more Mm -hmm. you know moving parts whereas civil engineering um is more static right so like bridges water systems right so so that was a benefit because i've always tinkered with engines and motorcycles and you know always been pretty handy with you know building Mm -hmm. things i worked construction for a while and and um you know so i think that was really helpful for me but i can tell you that when I went to, I started at a community college, you know, just, just trying to find a way to get grants to help pay for school. And uh, my little brother, my stepbrother, um, was in a running start program, which I don't know if you're familiar no. with that. But it's, it's basically when high school kids that are really smart get to start going to a community college early. Oh, gotcha. Right. So he ended up being in a, he's, you know, eight years younger than me. He ends up being in my, uh, one of my physics class uh, classes with me. And he's exactly what you just described Oh wow. as far as could do whatever he wanted and come in and ace the test. And I, I was so frustrating, Dave. <laughs> now
1: take me back there. So, so wait, now you said, so your brother, your little brother's eight years younger than you, and he was in the same class as you.
0: Yeah. So he was, cause I went to school late, you know, cause I was pursuing other things originally out of, out of high school. And, uh, so yeah, I'm in college, he's in running start. So he's like actually a I would guess a sophomore or junior in high school yeah. and he's in the college level, you know, early physics classes and calculus classes with me. Um, and you're in the same class. Yeah. And he's just kicking
1: my ass. That's amazing. (laughs) That is, that is really cool. Pretty
0: frustrating. I had to remind him that I could still beat him up, you know,
1: there you go. Well, now what is your, is your brother, is he still in the, uh, in the field?
0: Yeah, he's a, he ended up getting a degree in physics from the university of Washington. Um, but he, uh, we kind of all went to all the siblings went into running our own businesses. Actually, he runs uh, his own business and, uh, not really in the physics field at all in uh, Washington state there. And then I, you know, did this. So
1: that's amazing. Where does the, you know, the entrepreneurship, it sounds like, you know, with all your siblings going into it, there must be some tie back. Why do you think everybody was kind of ended up there?
0: That's a good question. I've thought about that before. You know, I, you know, I think so my, uh, We've, I've had many different um, father figures, I suppose, growing up. I've had my mom's been married four times. So, you know, three, four different step parents. Uh, mm-hmm. And all of them were special forces military. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I think maybe there's just a lot of, you know, kind of nose to the grindstone, outwork your competition yeah. type, you know, of mentality instilled in us, I think. So perhaps that's why, where that came from.
1: Wow, that is cool. Yeah, special. That I mean, you must have some insight on. We're not going to dig into all that, but that's always interesting to. And it sounds like, yeah, you had a military background your whole life, and 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 now you're. I guess you're, now you're not really in the military. You haven't been in the military, but you've still got a lot of influence, right? A lot of positive influence from all of that.
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and no, I, yeah, I never did. I was pretty much the only one, and now my brother, you know, that didn't go that route. So
1: that's cool. Well, I'm just setting the stage because, you know, obviously Trestle is this really cool product and, um, and I just wanted to, it makes sense now a little bit more about how you develop this thing. So I want to, I want to take us there. So where, where does, so you got this engineering, you got all this, this life, the cool stuff going on and, and you're all around the country. Take us there. When did the Trestle, I think that was later on, right after you were already in engineering working for like 10 years, or
0: something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I ended up meeting my business partner Morgan um, at a uh, research facility. So I was, uh, we were both engineers designing uh, electron microscope uh, devices for a research facility in Olympia, Washington. Um, so, really technical work. Uh, and I ended up sort of working my way into running the machine shop side um, as well as doing uh, design engineering, kind of manufacturing engineering. And then Morgan was doing uh, a lot of the more advanced engineering. Work And then um, we ended up working together again after that at a company that was designing locomotives. Mm. Um, so I was working on a, uh, a locomotive that takes uh, people to the Machu Picchu ruins. Oh, wow. um, so, so I was working on the design on that. And then Morgan was tackling this uh, kind of prototype Cummins project that was a, a big deal in the diesel locomotive uh-huh. world. And so we were sort of doing that, and we showed up to work on a Tuesday, and the building was chained closed, quite literally. Huh. And everybody lost their jobs, and the owner of that company had taken everybody's payroll and fled the country. Wow! Is this a guy you knew personally? Well, I knew who he was. I didn't know him, you know, very well. He was a, um, you know, kind of a big money type CEO type. Uh, gotcha yeah, apparently it wasn't the first time he had done that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it was quite the shock. I'd only been there about a little over a year. Morgan oh, had goodness. been there longer, so I was still kind of new. Um, so anyway, Morgan and I started looking for other engineering jobs. We both got interviews and were thinking about taking them. And we decided kind of at the last minute to start our own engineering firm because we had some connections, um, in the medical device space from some of our history and, um, and then also wanted to try to start designing outdoor products because Morgan was a downhill racer in college on the East coast. And like we discussed, I was, grew up fly fishing. So we, we really wanted to try to work in those spaces if we could.
1: Mm -hmm. And downhill racing, like mountain biking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So you guys both had a passion there with the mountain biking and, and then, and Morgan was not into fly fishing.
0: No, I was the first one to take him. He had never done it.
1: Oh, there you go. There you go. So, and are you guys are still, is it you two kind of running or kind of still co-founders there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we, it's Morgan and I are the the co-founders and, um, you know, things, as things grow, you, uh, you know, develop a board and all these other things, but yeah, we're still the primary operators.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. Wow. So this guy leaves. So have you heard anything of this guy that leaves? Is that just kind of like oh, the guy's gone and then you just kind of wrap it up? There's no more to follow up on there. You just kind of move on or how does that look?
0: Yeah. He, you know, for me, it wasn't, I was really, really fortunate in that I was the only one to get my paycheck uh, huh. because I had gotten it. I worked late on a Friday, if I remember right. And then, uh, did like a mobile deposit and oh, it was right. before he had drained the account. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So everybody else had claims through, you know, Washington oh. state and all this yeah. stuff with him and, and they were going after him. But I was sort of, you know, let's just separate and you were claiming. You know, yeah. You know, I felt it was really hard for everybody that worked there. You know, it's, there was a lot of welders and painters and and people that worked in the trades and, and it was in a small town and it was really sad. I mean, they really took the rug out from under him. So they were definitely upset. I wouldn't want to be him.
1: Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. You would think, I guess that's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure all that stuff circles around, you do something like that and you're, you're bound to uh, eventually that's going to catch up with you. Obviously that's, that's crazy. Um, well let's keep it on this on a positive note here because I mean, obviously that, that was a crazy story there, but, um, Talk about Trestle, you know, maybe for somebody who's listening now who hasn't heard, doesn't know what you guys do, describe what Trestle is to maybe to kind of somebody
0: new. Sure. Yeah. So Trestle is uh, an outdoor product company, but we focus on carry products and that's Mm. the best way I can describe it. So, you know, we want to be focused on multi-sports, so fly fishing and mountain biking and how those connect as well as how you, you know, do them individually. But, uh, specifically we want to design and we do design and engineer products, uh, to carry your gear. So, you know, I, you could think of it as, you know, I don't, I don't have an interest in trestle designing or manufacturing rods and reels, but I want to make things to carry that type of equipment wherever you go.
1: That's right. That's right. And you guys have, and that's where the the CRC, uh, system comes in and the, um, essentially, I mean, what do you call it? When somebody asks you what that is, you know, some people might say a rod carrier or uh, what do you, what's
0: the word you use? Yeah, I say rod carrier, um, you know, CRC system stands for convertible rod carry, but, um, you know, we actually originally named that the Olympian and, uh, the United States Olympic committee, uh, sent us a cease and desist letter. <laughs> when we first were launching on Kickstarter, so we had to come up with a new name at the last last minute. Oh, there. wow,
1: wow. <laughs> so, so no Olympian, and then, and then Trestle, how did that, what was that, what's the name there?
0: Yeah, so Trestle, uh, first of all, there's an X in our name, so a lot of people say, you know, Trexel or Tressley, Trexley. I've heard oh, before, yeah. that's, pretty fan, that's pretty fancy one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we put the X in there to sort of be like a, a beacon for the classic Trestle aesthetic. You know, you see a Trestle bridge over a river and it's got that X look from the supports. Um, so that's sort of where that came from. And also just to, to kind of differentiate us, there's a lot of information on a trestle, if you spell it correctly, you know, yeah. so we wanted to sort of make it a little different. Um, but the the name itself, we really wanted to have something to always remind us of that locomotive firm closing. And we were trying to find a way to tie together Morgan and myself's background and as well as our passions. And, you know, we started thinking and we had a quite literally a huge chalkboard In our little office that we renovated for the engineering firm um it was a garage in morgan's yard and uh (laughs) we were writing names up on the board and going through things and um trestle came up and we started thinking about that and we realized hey you know some of my favorite places to fish at the time were uh you know in oregon and washington and you know I'm sure you're familiar. You're walking down a river mm-hmm. and you see a trestle bridge. It's usually an indication of a good spot. Hmm. Um, there's probably a, a pocket in there. There's usually some kind of, of tail water right after it. Um, and uh, so that was sort of interesting. And then at talking to Morgan, I realized that most of the the roads and the trails to get to downhill single track for mountain biking were old trestle, like old old rail lines. Oh, yeah. So that's why we picked it.
1: That's it. So, yeah, it connects to both the, the biking and the fishing. and. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I, the trestle does. Yeah, for some reason there's something cool about an old trestle or even a new trestle, right? You're out there, it, it, you know. I always have a couple of pictures in my mind. It's like the movie, you know, the stand by me where you're the train's coming. You got it. You're in the middle of the, the trestle. And you got to run for it. Um, yeah. But but also like you said, I mean, fishing wise, I mean, it can create some good spots there. And um, so no, this is good. So we got a little feel. So trestle and let's dig into a little bit on the product itself. So the rod carrier this thing is pretty like bomber. We got the, this can go on top of your car. It, um, you kind of telescopes down. Talk about that product. You, I know it's got a ton of features, but how do you, when somebody asks you about this rod carrier, what do you tell them?
0: Yeah. So I, I try to focus on, you know, what's so different about it and what was challenging to achieve. Cause I think that's the differentiating qualities. So like you mentioned, yes, it telescopes. So, you know, you've got goes out to 10 feet, four inches um, carries two fully rigged rods mounts on top of your vehicle um, and then it collapses down to about 45 inches it's only 15 pounds um, you can carry it over your shoulder now uh, we have a shoulder strap for it a couple really unique things about that product is uh, that are part of our patent actually but we've got a reel up design so your reels face up we're the only ones that do that um, it protects the guides of your rods Mm-hmm. which is a fragile component. It also means that when you're putting it in or taking out the rods, you're not snagging up uh, on the inside, which just allows for a little bit easier insertion and removal. And it also gives you some clearance for like your hatch, if maybe you have like a canopy or or hatchback, um, and gives you that low profile to your vehicle.
1: And the low profile, that and that's the cool thing. So basically this thing is – so when you put your rods in it there I mean you can go down like essentially like a gravel road right just be bombing down and it's going to be protected because you kind of have a like a spring protected compartment right
0: Yeah yeah so we worked hard to find a liner system that would be soft enough to be softer than your rod you know so something much softer than like a pvc plastic or, a, yeah. or aluminum or something like that so we came up with a the softest material we could uh, while still being rigid enough to not break down you know so it telescopes out we actually hand uh, flare and sand each joint so that it ramps and doesn't have any like wear points or anything on the inside and then the liner itself is mounted on springs inside of the aluminum. So it's not, you know, rigidly pressed against it. Um, so those springs take a lot of that vibration and impact.
1: That's it. That's it. And then it also, so it goes down to, uh, it telescopes out from, what's the shortest? It goes from short and then what's the longest?
0: So 44 inches, and then it goes out to hold a 10 foot, four inch rod. So the actual lengths, you know, more like 10 foot six, cause you got some built in areas in there.
1: Yeah. So you could put, so basically your full rod, if you've got a Essentially, uh, yeah, anything less than 10 forward in that range, you can get the full rod. And then you could actually extend it back in half and and do like break your rod in, in two if you wanted to and do that sort of thing, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you can um, you can actually, a lot of people, I've been seeing it more and more, and it's actually some of our staff, uh, the guys that build these, that's how they run them. So they run them on their Subaru. Both guys I'm thinking of both have Subarus, and they, they run it in three quarters, three quarter links. So they don't have this big thing hanging out over their windshield when they're not fishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, three quarter links could hold a three weight, a lot of different three weights, you know, it's about seven and a half feet. Um, but what they do is they just collapse the nose down because they're able to do that the way they have it mounted. You can do that while it's still on your roof. You know, you just hit a button and, and collapse it as long as you don't have a clamp on the, like the very forward section, you know? So yeah, uh, yeah. you just hit a button, collapse it down. And then when you're ready to go fish, you just pull that last little bit out.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So basically, you collapse it down to three quarters, which now it's seven and a half feet. So you could break your rod in, in two pieces or, or whatever, take your your four piece into two. So that fits in there when you're doing whatever. And then when you're ready to fish, you kick it out really quick, don't have to do anything, but just pop it out. And then now you're ready to go for your 10 and a half foot rod or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, okay. So this is cool. And I... I've got a couple of cars and one of them, um, I think, um, I've been with, with my truck. I just had it in the back, you know, it's in there and I've got it collapsed down. I just, it's right there. I have a bunch of stuff back there, but it works great. Just kind of in the back sitting there and then, and then on top, I think I'm going to test out, throw it up on top of the Subaru and kind of just get a feel because it sounds like it's pretty, that right here is the good example, right? When you're traveled around, you got it easy on any car, any car can do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an it's nice because a lot of those Subarus you got to push it so far forward because the hatchback. Yeah. You know, just just to get it, even with the reel up, I mean, you still have to scoot it further forward than some. So it's nice to not have that thing hanging over the hood so far if you don't need it to. Hanging
1: way over, yeah. This is good. Okay, so yeah, so the reel up, and you got the shoulder strap, and and it's fairly uh, fairly lightweight, right? For this type of product, it's in the fifteen pound
0: range. Yeah, it's it's extremely it's actually really lightweight i mean i so i used originally i was carrying it to alaska with me on a plane as a carry-on uh-huh. um, and then i was mounting it when i'd go fish there um nice. that was like the prototype days but i've definitely i just haven't gone back in years but um but yeah i mean it's i think the most comparable products over 50 pounds
1: oh wow so that's huge that's really heavy gotcha okay and uh Okay. So we got the rod carry, and that's something I definitely want to dig into because that's a, obviously a big product for you guys. Now talk about, I think you have some other stuff out there. Do you have any, I know you were talking about releasing these, um, what else do you guys have going these days?
0: Yeah. So we really popular and growing waterproof case line that I'm really proud of. Um, so that's, that's one area that we're focusing a lot on. So, um, we've got these waterproof cases that we're continuing to grow upon. We're going to release another one here at the end of the year. Um, but, uh, they just kind of, not on purpose. They just seem to be growing in size. Oh time. yeah, <laughs> but uh,
1: these are fly boxes.
0: Uh, sort of, yeah. So you can so like for instance, our big water case. Um, it's designed to be kind of whatever you want it to be. So uh, it's got removable inserts. They all have a hook and loop attachment. Um, and so you know you've got a wallet insert where you can put your credit cards. It holds a phone. It has an elastic strap to hold your cell phone. Hmm. Uh, and so you can use it like that and it's got a mesh bag insert and it's got a fly foam, you know, with fly uh, Mm -hmm. slits in it. So you can mix and match. You can use it. You know, I I have one in my backpack that I use. It's got fly on both sides, you know, so I use it as like a streamer box. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really great for traveling. And and the cool thing about the product besides the inserts really is that, uh, we spent a lot of time designing ways to attach it to your boat. Um, so, before we made that there was no way like I would go like down either I was whitewater rafting or maybe just going down uh, even a calm river. And you always got your, your fly box or like your case, your waterproof case is always like on the other side of the boat when you need it. Yeah. Um, or I talked to a, a whitewater guide in California at a fly fishing show a couple years ago in Pleasanton and he was going on and on about how when he takes uh, client's, they got to put their you know wallet or keys or whatever it is somewhere safe that's waterproof. But then, the only way to strap it down all the cases only had one one strap attachment like on one side oh right right so it would just flap around and hit people it was always so a lot of the guys were drilling holes in one side of their like cases and putting a strap on the other side to hold it yeah so first thing we did is we created strap attachment on both sides and on the back so you can really secure it down to like your raft and then we also made a feature on the back that uh, integrates into like nrs's uh what they call that the, the quick clamp or the clamp it oh yeah so you usually you see those on rafting frames um to hold like a a koozie right like a cup hold.
1: oh yeah i'm trying to think because i had an nrs frame a few years back i'm trying to think what the clamp it was but i think i know what you're talking about
0: usually it holds beer <laughs> yeah, yeah okay it's the beer yeah it's the beer holder okay <laughs> yeah. so uh they should just call it a beer holder then yeah. people would know what, what we're talking about but That's um right. Yeah, but so it'll it'll click right into there, and then you can open it and use it, so you can keep your, your box right next to you, but it, we also have our own uh, slip mount that we came out with that's made, uh, we originally had it made with a community college in Olympia um, as a part of their engineering program, it's kind of a, a throwback to them, but uh, basically it you can put it on a skiff or your mountain bike water bottle location or wherever you want, and it's the same basic premise where we have a little slot on the back of the case that slides right into it, so you can mount it.
1: Oh, gotcha. So, and these boxes are, you said you have a number of different sizes. Like what is the biggest, how big is the biggest one?
0: That is the biggest one right now. The big water case, we just have the two and then the new okay. one we're coming with is a more of a boat box size. That's what I was going to
1: say. So what the one you're talking about now, how big is that compared to say, uh, like how do we, in relatively,
0: what would it be? How big is it? Uh, it's roughly about four and a half inches by 10 inches.
1: Oh, by 10. Yeah. So it's like a fly box. Yeah. So it's a fly box. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a narrow streamer box, I guess you could yeah, think of. Yeah, yeah, thing. I got you. Yeah, I was thinking of more of the the big like
1: box you'd put a camera or something like that in. But no, this is like smaller for smaller items and flies and stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we, and we have a, one called the River Locker. It's one size smaller, doesn't do as much, still has some attachment features. But it's really designed to be like a a lot of camera guys use it for like their memory cards or just your wallet, that kind of thing, just to keep in your bag to keep that like your fishing license safe and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah
1: that's it. And staying on those lines. Like you said, yeah, the carry, you know, the carry items, these are all carrying your stuff. So do you have anything else? I think you you might have another product that you got or do you you know, that's out there right now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, We've got those, we've got, you know, we've also done some other things with other companies where, um, you know, we help them either with design or, or oh, maybe cool. help them with manufacturing. So, you know, I can definitely shout out to, uh, lid rig, um, yep. the magnetic nippers. Um, we've, we've definitely helped Scott and work together with him on that product and some other stuff he's got going. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we have all that. We have apparel, uh, we have a full apparel line that's definitely growing. That's actually been a huge part of our business it was surprising to to us, to be uh-huh. honest, but uh, uh-huh. so we've got you know sun hoodies and rain jackets, as well as we do a different artist series collaboration each year for like t-shirts and hats. Um, and so we partner with a, a local artist each year and, and produce um, their artwork on our apparel. And so that's been really fun. But as far as the big stuff, we you know I think what you're getting to is the uh, the Jerry on Universal bike packing system.
1: Yeah, exactly. That that was the one when you first came when we were talking about this last year. You are mentioning this, we were talking about, okay, how do we get, you know, how are we going to get this out there? And it wasn't quite ready, but,
0: uh, so it's out there now. We have accepted pre-sales and it starts shipping at the end of the month.
1: Oh, this is cool. And I know, and I was just, I know you had, I was hearing a story you told on another podcast and you were mentioning about how, like your first shipment of these the rod carriers, you had a crazy thing happen. The boat came into port, and then it got transferred up, and then a, like a crane fell on the boat or something, right? Oh yeah. So it was a nightmare. Yeah. Your first order. So this one, you're you're still probably keeping your fingers crossed that everything's going to be smooth sailing, right?
0: <laughs> well, fortunately, yeah, we've learned a lot along the way over the last five years, and 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 I feel like we've been able to avoid fires like that, so yeah. to speak. Knock on wood that there won't be a fire. Yeah, oh, but. Yeah. Uh, Probably shouldn't have said that, um, <laughs> but no, uh, that's not as much of a concern. We've also been able to bring the vast majority of all the manufacturing to the U.S., so that's not as much of a concern.
1: Oh wow, that's cool,
0: and that's
1: pretty—that's a whole thing right there, right? Because I would imagine that a lot of companies are still doing stuff overseas for the most part, right? And
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. But the, the positive—I mean, the great thing, obviously, there's tons of positives. But one nice thing about bringing it here is that now you're you're more closely connected. Is that, I mean, what is the biggest advantage other than obviously some of the other bonuses where you're keeping stuff in house? What, what's the big thing about doing it here?
0: Um, for me, the, the biggest thing is just that I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, I, I, really is a huge, huge thing. You know, when you're, when you're something that I think a lot of people, I didn't know this, you know, I, going into manufacturing, uh, when I did and, um, the truth is sometimes you want to make it here, but depending on what people will pay for the product, you can't, um, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's hard when you're starting because it's just such a huge startup cost for tooling and molds and extrusion dies and plus the, you know, the, the actual cost of the parts. Um, so, you know, I think that obviously making it here is so much better. It's the right thing to do. You're creating jobs. Um, but you're also, yeah, your quality control, you know, you get to the benefit of being able to call someone in the same time zone as you and mm-hmm. actually have them like, you know, do like what we're doing now, or maybe they even just FaceTime and show me like, Hey, is this what you meant? Like that is, that literally just saved you eight weeks if you exactly. were doing it overseas.
1: That's right. So that's huge. Yeah, That's great. No, no, that's, that's so cool to hear. I, this is the, this is the stuff, this is why I love doing these, the, you know, these founders, you know, fly fishing founders episodes that, that, that I call them. Is that the, you know? I'm learning stuff about you and about the company that I didn't know about, right? And this is this is all this is all amazing stuff. And, and Lidrig's Lidrig is another good example. I had been talking to Scott for a while. He's we we made a connection a while back, and he was sending me stuff, and so that's so cool to realize that literally Lidrig, you've got a, a total connection there with their whole process as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott's great. and We uh, met with him years ago and helped him uh, design that that product to what it is now. That's cool. Yeah. I remember
1: telling Scott, we, uh, I used and I was doing some combat fishing one time and I was like, I do trying to find the, you know, get to the spot where nobody else <laughs> could get to. And I was like literally on my hands and knees scraping through some brambles, trying to get out of this fishing hole. And I had my rig on my hat and it, you know, I scraped a branch and popped it off mm-hmm. and it was like, Oh man, gone. And I, and I asked him, you know, about that. And he said, well, you know, working work on it. And now he comes back. Now they got a super strong, even a stronger magnet. So it's always, it's always tweaking. Do you find that with your, I mean, obviously your, your stuff is a little bit bigger. I mean, are you always tweaking like the rod carrier in, in your products or do you kind of have a thing set and it's good to go?
0: I would say you're always tweaking. That's something that we're really passionate about just because of Morgan and myself's background. and And we look for hiring people that are like-minded as far as you know, those that run the shop and do manufacturing and assembly for us. Um, so, yeah, the biggest thing is listening to customers. You know, it's like you get to a point where you're tweaking, hopefully in the early stages while you're prototyping and getting it, you know, to where it's at a a complete product that's ready for the market. It's ready for the abuse. You know, you're not changing major functions. It's all right. there. But, but then, for instance, like with the rod carry, you find out like, oh, well, we thought that the majority of roof racks were this, but we oh. found out that actually the majority of people using our product have much larger roof racks. So we had to, you know, you you come out with another version of clamps to accommodate, you know, more roof racks or another, another good example is like, um, you know, just tweaking the, the, the liners themselves to try to make them like I was kind of alluding to earlier, making them a little softer, finding a way to actually, you know, here in Helena, we take each one. It's, I mean, incredibly time consuming. I mean, building those liners, takes us at least as long as the whole product. Oh, wow. Uh, possibly longer. So, I mean, we are literally by hand, underneath me right now, my office is upstairs. They are, you know, taking each joint, flaring it, sanding it, looking at it. Um, the guys that, that make those carriers are all guides here in Montana. Either no cur- Currently or, or previously, yeah. So, like, they totally know what it needs to be, and they're looking for any way to, to make it better.
1: So, and tell me this, this is a question I had because I think, um, you know, your, your rod is made for a fly rod, obviously, but what about a rod that's got kind of oversized guides, you know, and I guess you could take to the extreme, like a spin rod or something like that. Your, yours isn't really meant for like the giant stuff or how would somebody know how big of a, a rod they could put in there?
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 1.6 inches is the opening. Um, so that's, you know, your full, okay. that's your, usually it's your stripper guide, you know, but you're totally right. I mean, if you've got Generally speaking when you're at an eight weight or above you should measure it Yeah, Uh, because anything below an eight generally fits it's it's pretty rare to find I think orvis had a rod for a while that has this really huge uh, stripping guide but uh, but for the most part, you know I've I've got like a lot of sage ten weights fit no problem. Yeah, Um, because they just have smaller guides for whatever reason Um, but but yeah, so 1.6 We are definitely working on versions of that to start expanding that and we're pretty close. We're about to enter the switch in Euro market here, um, for a little bit longer version.
1: Oh, you are, you're going to do a longer version of the, the carrier.
0: We are. Yeah. And we're also looking at the spay and if we go into spay, um, we might as well capture bait rods as well. Cause it's the same basic difficulty, which is that long handle behind the reel.
1: Oh, the long handle. So, so you're saying you, you guys are talking about maybe going into covering like a 13 and a half foot rod.
0: Yeah. And it's challenging because you start getting that long. It's, it's just not safe for a lot of, um, vehicles
1: engineering. There you go. There's your challenge.
0: Yeah, it's, it is a challenge. Definitely. It won't be as portable as this current version. You know, this, this current version, you can literally carry it over your shoulder, like a, you know, like a, a dual rod case, you know, yeah. uh, there's certainly lighter ways to carry two rods being that it's 15 pounds, but you certainly can, you know, that's, it's, it's made to be stored in a trunk or a closet really easily. Um, but, You know, the spay version certainly is not going to be as portable. It's still going to have the adjustment telescopic functionality, but it's not going to be as, it's not going to show up as small of a footprint. But yeah, you're totally right. When you start getting out that long, it's really dangerous. You got to figure out ways to reinforce it and probably an additional clamp or support. But, yeah, you know, actually last year on April Fool's, we released a a whole ad campaign where we had a friend of mine that does Photoshop work and stuff. He had made a couple videos of a 40 foot long carrier. Oh, nice. April Fool's, we came out with our new 40 foot CRC.
1: There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Nice. Cool. So, yeah, this is good. I mean, obviously, yeah, you can't. You know, you can't necessarily have, you know, everybody isn't your customer. So you guys obviously, you know, the trout anglers, and that's a majority of fly fishing community anyways, right? But, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's good to hear you're, you're still thinking about expanding and trying to get more, you know, trying to serve more people, right? I mean, that's bottom line is you, you've got this product, which is awesome. And how do you get it out more to more of the people? Is that kind of the thinking there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're always trying to find a way to obviously expand the market, but um, listen to what people want, you know. Um, yeah. We really do. I mean, Morgan and I still respond to every possible message and phone call. You know, we have staff that does customer support and and shipping and all these things, you know. But like right now, if you messaged us on Instagram, it's me answering. I just answered oh, wow. a guy last night, last night at midnight. He was asking about extra large clamp fits. That's cool. And uh, so it's always us because that's just – we can't let go, I guess, is a better way of saying it. I know. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, so we're always trying to find ways to improve and, and and we've even done custom versions for people that have like a really unique like camper van setup and, and things oh, like yeah. that. So that's uh, right. But yeah, we're just always trying to find a way to you know, to come out with what they want.
1: What if somebody had, here's a good question for you. If somebody has, um, you know, uh, whatever, a pickup or a van, they want to do it on the side. They want to mount it on the side. Do they just need like a couple of bars? You know what I mean? Do, is yours adjustable? Does it, or is it a standard length? Like how would they do that?
0: Yeah. So you can, you'd have to pick a, there's four lengths that it mounts in, um, you know, there's, there's ways to pick a custom one by kind of drilling a hole, but we don't generally recommend it, but we've yeah. had guys do it, yep. um, to basically have a, we've actually made a custom one for a guy from Sage that came through last year and he really wanted specific lengths. So we were able to do that for him, but, um, generally it's four different lengths. Um, but you can mount it that way. We, there's a company, one of our dealers is in California. Um, I think it's called a California camper van. Oh or, yeah. Or camper yep. van adventure. I can't remember. Uh-huh. I, I think I'm butchering that name.
1: Okay. <laughs> there, I think there's probably a few. There's probably a few in California.
0: Yeah. So they're, um, they're a dealer for us and they, they mount them generally on the side. Cause the, you know, those are those Europe van, or those, uh, Mercedes vans. They're really exactly. tall. Um, so yeah, they'll mount them on the side. Um, they make a custom bracket, but essentially if you thought of it as like a, like a boat handle, you know, like on the side, you've got like a, a handle that you would see, climbing up the stairs into a, a boat or something. Um,
1: oh, yeah. That's sort that. of
0: what they're mounting, mounting to because you just need a you need a round square or some type of roof rack shape bar to clamp onto, and it has to be perpendicular to the carrier. Yeah. And if you got that, you should be set. You're good to go. That's cool.
1: And l- let's go back to the – I don't want to miss the, the bike because we mentioned the bike carrier. So so talk about this thing because this thing looks pretty uh, pretty cool. We I know it's coming in, but describe that thing, wh- what it does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're super, super excited. Obviously, as I mentioned, you know, we want to be, uh, fly fishing and, and mountain biking, you know, bike packing. Um, so that's been something we've been talking about for five years. (laughs) Our first, (laughs) we're finally introducing the mountain bike version of it. So, uh, it's been in development that whole time. Um, we've been working on it. It was actually going to come out before the carrier. Uh, but we just redesigned it, I think five or six times now before we felt like it was ready. Mm -hmm. So essentially what it is, is, it's a universal bike packing system. So if you're not familiar with bike packing, it's just what it says, you know, it's basically taking your mountain bike or your bicycle and going camping on, you know, overnight excursions or at least long excursions Mm -hmm. for the day. So you want to bring your tent, your sleeping bag. And how I find myself using it is I want to bring my waders and my boots and my fly rods. Cause I, I used to always take my mountain bike and I'm not a cyclist, but I would always take a mountain bike uh, to go steelhead fish in Western, Washington, whether it was the Olympic Peninsula or some other places closer to Olympia that I Would go fish that was the way I could get away from the crowds get behind the lock gates that didn't allow motorized vehicles And you know get far back, but I, I never had a good way to do it One of the ways I would do it is I'd wrap a bungee cord around my fly rod tube against oh, yeah. my frame yep. You know, and I, <laughs> I literally almost died because it was, I couldn't figure out why my brakes wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> because I had wrapped it around my brake cable, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So basically what it is, is it's a universal rack. So that doesn't exist right now. So before this came out, you would have to buy a specific rack for your specific bike to carry something.
1: Yeah, like the metal, like those old metal racks that like uh, screw into your post and then they, right, the seat post and they go down to the, to your wheel. Exactly. And they're hard and if you're bouncing around on
0: a gravel road, they would eventually
1: get loose and yeah, they were just kind of not great. They're they're okay for road, but not for off-road.
0: Exactly, yeah, so they, they have their purpose for sure, but then, and then the other problem is maybe you want like a bag system like in your triangle, right? But well, you can't run that, that's specific to your frame. And if you have a full suspension bike, you can't run it at all because your suspension's in the way yeah. on your rear. So um, our bike mounts like what you just said to the seat post and the stem. Um, so it's got standardized diameters and it comes with three different inserts for your standard, uh, seat post diameters. And basically it creates a mounting points there essentially below your handlebars and below your seat. And then it has a rack system that comes out over your front and rear tire. You can kind of picture it like a fender. Mm -hmm. Um, and then those racks allow you to strap things. We have a bunch of different accessories so you can carry your, Rigged fly rod between the two you can carry rod tubes all your camping gear and we have uh, Attachments for that. I really like I use it for bow hunting. I'm a big archery guy and um, so you can put your bow or your rifle if that's the type of hunting you do Uh, so we have uh, that availability as well and um, Something that's really unique and, and special about that universal mounting points is that when you do load it up it'll hold 15 pounds front and rear so, when you do load it up like that, it's actually loading your suspension through the triangle. So instead of you know just loading like the the rack you were talking about, you know, yeah. maybe you mount it to your front forks, that's just going to load the front of your suspension incorrectly. Uh, and so, if you're descending, you're essentially all the play and your suspension's taken up. You see what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So by doing it this way, you're you're using the suspension properly.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get a picture of. So basically, because when you see it, it looks like yeah, it looks like a couple of fenders, and it looks like wow, how could you put anything on that? Because it, but it's you obviously it's engineered to hold up to fifteen pounds, which is and it's just what is the what is the actual product the makeup of the physical product itself?
0: Is it plastic? No, it's machined aluminum. Oh, it's aluminum. Yeah, so it's machined aluminum. So there's, like you said, the two racks over each tire. Then there's actually a attachment telescoping bar between the two points that prevent oh, them from, from rotating. Gotcha. And down the line, we'll offer additional attachment and bag options. Uh, that's what it is. So, so, yeah, so there you
1: go. So it's that thing that keeps it stable so you don't have all your weight on the back or the front. It's actually balanced. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So uh, so cool. So this is going to be the big thing. This is coming out. And um, and hopefully, uh, well, hopefully by the time this episode is, is up there. Now, tell me, what do what you think? And when, when will these be where people can pick them up?
0: Uh, end of this month. So end of uh, March into April. Oh, good. Good, yeah. So we'll
1: definitely, if all goes well, they'll be able to go check them out right now. And and just head over to your website.
0: This is the best place? Yep. The website's the best spot. Um, they're also going to be available on thatcountry.com. Uh, Oh yeah, Um, we'll have some as well. They're pretty excited about that product. Um, and then, uh, we'll also going to be at IFTD this year. So uh, we're going to be releasing it there. Good,
1: good, cool. Well, that'll be awesome. I think I'll be able to, I think I'm going to be there too. So it will be great to connect with you in person. Yeah. And, uh, awesome. Well, I think, uh, I think I'm feeling pretty good. Anything else you want to talk, you know, give a shout out to that you have going either now or coming up in the next year?
0: You know, um, not necessarily, I guess just sort of be on the lookout where we're really, we're starting to really focus and get a little traction with, like I was saying, our waterproof cases. And then, uh, I think people are going to be excited to see the different attachment, uh, accessories, uh, that we're making here in house. So we have a lot of uh, custom options for that Jerry the, the bike packing system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, things like uh, fenders like actual fenders that bolt to those racks and allow you to like strap gear down you can actually see a on our website you can see a little coming soon pre-release of that oh, nice. um but uh, there's a lot of we have probably 10 maybe 12 additional accessories that we've got in cad and designed and we're just trying to figure out which to come out with next so for the bike carrier system for the bike yeah so there's a it does all sorts of things and i think it's re- really going to open the doors and i think for a lot of different uh pursuits on a mountain bike and something i i think i failed to mention was it mounts when i when i said universally it mounts to e-bikes
1: oh that was so, i'm glad you brought it, cause that was a question i had because the e-bikes are becoming more and more popular especially we see the hunters and people out there they're like i mean god yeah this e-bike you could do all sorts of stuff so they can literally strap onto those as well because those are those are huge right
0: yeah, they're big, but those two diameters they mount to, are those are standardized. So they're the same as a standard mountain bike or, or road bike. Yeah. Oh, nice.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Nice. So it uh, sounds like you're pretty good. Anything else uh, on the bike carrier? I guess I'll give a heads up to that. Um, I, I've got a bunch of questions. I think we'll leave these for another time. But, I mean, the bike thing is really cool to me because I've got this mountain bike, which has been sitting up, you know, ha- I haven't had it out recently recently. But I know I've taken that thing and I've always pulled the trailer when I have gear. It's like, all right, I've got mm-hmm. the, um, you know, I can't remember the name of the company, but a really nice little trailer. But again, it's big, it's bulky. It's not really easy. So if I get stripped down and actually get all my stuff on the bike itself, I mean, that just makes you a little more nimble. You can kind of go, it's just easier, right? It's a more comfortable experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I said, I'm not a, you know, I, I took Morgan fly fishing the first time and he took me downhill downhill mountain biking for the first time, so i'm I'm definitely the fly fisherman side You're the of noob the, of the company, you know, yeah, total noob, yeah, I don't you know, I, I rode some motorcycles growing up, so I know I know enough yeah. to get hurt, but that's about it. That's it. um but but uh, I really enjoy um, as we were testing this product, you know, I really enjoy being able to pedal further back and either you know archery hunt or primarily what I use it for is like spot hopping fishing. I don't know if you ever fished the. Uh-huh. Like a popular river like the Yakima in in, in Washington, right? So there's a railroad. I don't even know if you can do this anymore. But through the canyon, you know, you can ride. If you can get to the other side of the river, you can ride on that dirt road next to the railroad tracks. Exactly. But there's no way to get a car there. You know, I don't even think you'd be allowed to if you could. No. So I would put that on when I was testing it years and years ago, probably four years ago. I would take the prototype and get my bike over there. Uh, across the bridge uh, down lower in the canyon and then i would just ride up actually but i would pedal and just spot hop with my rigged mm-hmm. fly rod with it and i was just really surprised i was doing it from like a I can cover more river type yeah. of a perspective but i was just surprised at how much fun i had doing it because it's like a different it sounds a little cheesy but it's like a different way of experiencing being along the river compared to driving your car to the next hole oh yeah you know because you're paying attention you see more holes in the water you actually can see fish down below you because you're pedaling slow at least i pedal slow um so yeah
1: yeah no it's true and i think there's a number of rivers out there i mean i can think of two really big rivers for sure that you can't take a car on and there's a nice old gravel road there so i think there's probably many rivers all around the country where this is going to be super helpful and for that reason because you know i don't want to always take a trailer and if i can just throw on a, and, and you can get a sleeping bag i mean think of that right you're talking 30 pounds which is cool because when you think backpacking you know, a 30 pound backpack is, you know, that's a decent, you can get decent stuff in there A 50 pounds, really heavy. Right. So you're Mm -hmm. saying you're literally getting your stuff for a a night's stay, including your fishing gear.
0: Yeah. You put your, um, there's a couple photos up there that we did take them, you know, for advertising the product obviously, but we, that was actually Morgan in those photos with his Subaru and the mountain bike, uh, the Jerry and he's actually out camping. So he went and did a night. So it's his sleeping bag, his tent, his wading boots, his that's waders, it. his fly rod. Yeah. Everything. That's what he was doing. Yeah.
1: That's perfect. Nice. All right, John. Well, I got oh, just a couple of quick ones and these are kind of random here. I know, um, you skateboarding and punk rock, right? Those are two things that you've it, had things in your past. Are you still, uh, do you still, uh, are you involved in either
0: of those things to this day? Uh no, I'm not. You know, I I still have uh, a lot of the Puck Rock tattoos, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: so give me on the Puck Rock. Give me because Puck Rock to me is a little foreign as far as uh, groups and things like that. Who would be somebody that we could got, go look up on YouTube and see a like a video that you would, you know, that was big back in your day?
0: Oh, let's see. Well, I was pretty old school with what I liked, so I really my favorite band was The Clash. They still oh, are one of my one yeah. of my favorite bands. But as far as like the shows I would go to, Uh, really liked, I'll give you three. So I really, I had some friends in a band. Unfortunately, they passed away, uh, while they were touring years and years ago, but, uh, that's called the exploding hearts. Uh, they were a band out of Washington and Oregon. And then, uh, the addicts is a pretty good British Uh band has been around a long time. Um, did I tell you I'd give you three? Isn't that just two?
1: Well we could add the clash. The clash will make
0: it through. Then the clash, clash. yeah. The clash. there you go
1: All right. <laughs> and and what about and on your skateboard, did you have like how were you like almost like a pro level or just kinda of messing around with it?
0: All right, so I have a. I have to uh, I have to admit something to you. Um so <laughs> I started out skateboarding I got okay at it. You know, I was good enough to, you know, board slide a handrail, let's say that. Um okay. but I started getting into rollerblading and don't turn off the station <laughs> after I Nice that to anybody. But um which by the way, it seems to be making a comeback. Oh, but yeah. um I've just been noticing some videos uh, here and there and it's been kind of nostalgic for me. But uh anyway, in high school I got into to rollerblading and yeah, I ended up I was a, a pro. I ended up competing in um, no getting, kidding like, very very into it never went to the x games was really hoping to get invited oh, wow uh, but I skated for Solomon
1: oh wow so you were yeah damn so you were definitely pro literally I was kind of joking about that but yeah you're pro level in uh in rollerblading. blading yeah I know uh it's like being
0: well there's probably some funny sayings about that
1: well it's like I mean think <laughs> of it it's like any time you're pro at anything I don't care what it is I mean think of the most right I don't know I like, you're the best in the world right i mean that's that's something to be said i don't care what sport or activity it is so that's that's pretty cool and uh
0: well i was i was pretty good for my area anyway but yeah. i don't know about best of the world but really? yeah it was it was definitely fun and, and something that every once in a while i i put on some skates to take like my nephew or niece's roll, you know that like the skate rake and i show off a little bit that's about it
1: there you go there you go that's it nice all right, John. Well, this has been fun. I'll, I'll let you get out of here and I'll send everybody out to uh, Trestle. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you. You are a, uh, this season we're in right now, you're a sponsor for the podcast. So I want to thank you for that. It's really exciting to me because I knew, and I said this on one of our, our reads is that, you know, when I made that first connection with you, I, I knew right away, I was like, man, this is cool. And, and now that we've dug in a little more hearing about how you're keeping everything kind of as much as you can locally and stuff like that is... It's a really cool story, so it makes me just excited to share it that much more. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for everything and excited to keep uh, working on stuff here.
0: Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. So there you go. If you want to find
1: all the show notes, all links, everything else we covered today, head over to wetflyswing.com slash three one We'll get you any of the links and all the links we talked about today. want to give it a shout-out, quick shout-out to Terry Kluk. I've been playing a little phone tag with Terry lately, but I am hopeful that by the time this episode right now is live, we have already talked. So Terry, good talking to you. And uh, appreciate you taking the time and being a listener to this show. If you want to check in with me and have a conversation, you can reach me, Dave, at wetflyswing.com. Always love to chat and find out how we can make the show better. If you get a chance, please click that subscribe button and the app of choice or follow there. And you'll get updated when the next episode goes live. Okay, I'm going to head out of here today. I'm going to let you get on to your business. And I hope you have a great day. And I hope you can connect with us on the next episode and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.